So I've been continuing through Matthew for the you know three of you in this room that have been uh, able to participate. Um, <laughs> but we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew. We've now reached Matthew chapter 5, which is the, the Sermon on the Mount. So I'm going through the Beatitudes very, very, very slowly. Um, this, uh, this week we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Um, so, so before I read it, I once knew a guy... Uh, who was kind of an emotional rock. Like nothing, nothing would really phase him. A everything that came his way uh, was, was just something that he handled with, with grace and compassion. Um, and, uh, and I mean, he had some hard stuff come his way um, un un until one day something finally made him snap. And uh, I realized that he wasn't an emotional rock. He was really an emotional wreck. He had been bottling everything up, and finally, after years and years and years of, of struggle, um, he, just, he just lost it. And, uh, and, and I, 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 I bring that up to say that that, that, that was me, uh, but that's also probably everybody. Um, have, you ever, have you ever met someone who's like really stoic? You ever heard that word, stoic? Um, I have said that wrong almost my entire life until about six years ago when somebody corrected me. But Stoic, S-T-O-I-C, Stoicism was a Greek philosophy that meant that no matter what happens, you're emotionally unmoved. Um, but the problem with being emotionally unmoved is all you're doing is just shutting out the problem, the feeling of a problem. Um, and so when I give that little anecdote of somebody who's not an emotional rock, but an emotional wreck. Is that you? Is that me? How many times has that been me? How many times has that been you? Where just that last little thing sets you over the edge. Um, Jesus does not want Stoics. And this one verse that we're going to read today shows that very clearly. Um, so, let's, let's read... Matthew 5, 4. It's really long. Anyway. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. That is the word of the Lord. So, um, 89,439. 89,439 people uh, in America have been listed as a COVID death. Almost 90,000 families have suffered the loss of someone very recently. And we can argue and debate on whether or not those numbers are accurate, whether or not the, 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 uh, the testing is accurate, whether or not the retesting is accurate. But 89,439 families are without someone they care about. All those 89,439 families, I suppose, are in mourning. I suppose that they are struggling right now. I suppose that the countless other deaths that have not been attributed to COVID 
have families of people that are mourning them as well. There's two types of mourning in this world. Uh, there's, There's mourning over troubles, and there's mourning over our sin. Mourning over our troubles often looks, uh, it, it, has a couple, it has a couple different, different ways of manifesting itself, but mourning, being sad for, being grieved about, can happen with a personal loss. So it can be about somebody who's passed, who's died. It can be about a loss of a job which has happened with countless individuals as well. So there's families, thanks to COVID, who are now mourning a different type of loss than the death of another person. Uh, It can be even as simple as car or home trouble, like having your truck have a water or something explode so that you have to wait until it can be fixed and parts can come in. That's a type of mourning, where you had something and then it's gone. It, it grieves you. It grieves you. It grieves me. It grieves everybody. We all mourn. We can also mourn because of an affliction. Maybe, maybe you or somebody else suffer with a chronic illness, something that just keeps coming back. Charles Spurgeon, a pastor, preacher in the 1800s, he suffered with depression and gout. Uh, The gout would bring on the depression because it was just unspeakable pain in his feet. His ankles and feet would swell and he couldn't move about. The way he describes it is pretty graphic um, for how it felt. But he suffered with this chronic illness that became chronic mourning. It can also be at the diagnosis of cancer. We can mourn. The fact that our life, as we saw it, is now shortened, especially terminal cancer. Or we can mourn because of a sudden accident. Maybe you were walking down the hallway and you tripped and you dislocated your hip. Maybe you were doing something totally normal and you broke your wrist. That causes you to mourn. That causes, that causes you to grieve over something that was there and now is not. Then, uh, another, another way that people mourn troubles in this world is through some form of insecurity. So maybe, maybe it's a personal insecurity. Maybe it's like a social anxiety, or, or, or maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's an insecurity like where you're, the, the people you're around. You just don't like your friends. Or maybe it's a financial insecurity. You don't know where the next paycheck is going to come from. These are all reasons to mourn. They're they're good reasons to be mourning. And then, just to very quickly cover the other way of mourning, the other type of mourning is a mourning over our sin. There's the personal sin. So when you or I realize that we've broken God's commands... We've, we're subsequently convicted because we realize that we've broken God's commands. And we, maybe we realize the damage we've done, uh, like if somebody were to have an adulterous relationship, wreck a family. Or maybe it's, it's, it's over a lie that's been perpetrated over and over and over again, and now every time it comes up, you just feel really awkward. Or maybe it's something you've stolen 
Maybe it's over a paycheck you didn't deserve, or you lied on your taxes. It's just after tax season, so taxes are really in my head. Um, but, but you get convicted, you realize the damage you've done, and then you want repentance. That morning is a good morning. Or maybe you're in mourning over a sin against us. And I'm using finger quotes here. Us. Sins against the corporate us, whether that's the corporate United States, the corporate Oregon, the corporate Christian, the corporate Christianity, maybe global. But it's when the evil acts of another directly or indirectly affect us. We mourn. We mourn when evil is done. Or again, when the evil acts of others directly or indirectly affect other Christians. Don't we mourn when we hear of, of China persecuting Christians and locking them up? Is mourning not a proper response to that? Or when we hear about uh, Christians in Nigeria who are being butchered and videotaped as they're being butchered or shot to death? Whole families. Does that not bring you to mourn? Does that not stir your affections? Again, both those reasons, mourning over troubles in the world and mourning over sin, those are real. That's real mourning. Both can cause us uh, crippling pain or, or make us freeze or shut down, not knowing what to do. And yet Jesus promises comfort in both of those situations. So when I read uh, Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. How? If somebody's in mourning, they don't often look for comfort as something that's going to happen, do they? Have you ever met someone who's just so struck with mourning that they are just done? That they, you, could, you could make them a thousand cakes and fill a million balloons and, uh, and bring it over to their house, and they would just kind of, meh, mm. thanks. Have you ever met someone like that? Again, chances are that's been all of us at some point in our life. There's been something that's occurred. So how, how do we receive the comfort? How can Jesus' promise even be true, someone who's mourning might say. When they read my, Matthew 5, 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, they, they're going to want to know how. So how does that happen? Well, uh, you don't have to turn there, but Romans 12, 15 actually commands Christians to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So how do you receive the comfort? Oftentimes, it's through other Christians. There's going to be, I'm sorry, there's going to be three ways that we receive comfort. Um, so, so just to step back, um, the, the, the overall summary of this, we Christians can rest assured in the promise of comfort that Jesus makes in the midst of our mourning through one another, through God's providence, and through the promise that the, of the Holy Spirit carrying us to the glorious end. So those are the three, three ways. So the first one is through other Christians. We, Paul commands the Roman Christians. By the way, the, the Romans were probably, the, 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 the people of Rome were one of the last bastions of Stoicism at the time of Paul writing to Rome. Um, 
the, the, the Stoics had basically been run out of everywhere, and it was kind of ironic uh, because, you know, it shouldn't phase them because they're emotionless, but they had to flee. So, uh, but, but they had fled multiple times, and they kind of ended up in Rome, and that's where, that's where it was really being propagated again. Um, so, so when Paul writes near the end of his life, the, the whole letter of Romans, he gives that command, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. He tells them, don't be Stoics. But instead, come alongside people, as we said in Sunday school today, um, and feel what they feel with them. A lot of Bibles in Romans 12 have what's called the marks of a true Christian. And it's, it's I don't know, that whole section, when I see marks of a true Christian, I think, oh, this is what I need to be. And it's really condemning. Because <laughs> that ain't me most of the time. Um, and even, even, even in this verse, that's kind of convicting because when it's weep with those who weep, uh, my natural reaction is to make stupid jokes uh, in almost every like bad circumstance. I have this condition I call, I, I call it uh, open mouth insert foot-itis. Um, I'm, I'm really good at saying the wrong thing at the right time. <laughs> so um, so what Romans 12, 15 is the command, right? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. So as we mourn together, we actually become instruments of mercy toward each other. Uh, something else Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-7. So 2 Corinthians is, is important. It's actually the third letter that Paul had written to the Corinthians, but it's the second one that we have. Um, but in his introduction, so verses 3-7, to seven, this is what he says. L listen, listen to this. Um, how do you receive comfort in mourning? Uh, Paul says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us, in all our affliction, so that, we may be able, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So pause. Your sufferings allow you to comfort others. That's what he says. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. Church, if you are afflicted, it's for the comfort and salvation of others. What joy that should bring us. That should bring us so much joy. It really should. And it doesn't bring us joy because why, when we're suffering, all we see is our own suffering. Um, and I'm saying that more to myself than I am any of you. I don't like to hurt. I don't like to hurt so much that when it comes to, uh, to, to me getting a cut on my arm or something, I don't like to clean the wound. There's a ton of illustrations associated with that. Anyway, moving on with what Paul says, because what Paul says is more important than me. Uh, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, 
you will also share in our comfort. So Christians are supposed to comfort one another. So how are mourners comforted? Through one another. Through caring for one another. And I really love and hate when our Sunday school lesson ties in extremely practically to the sermon, because it's like, why do I even preach? Why don't I just bring out the Sunday school curriculum? It's better than me anyway. So, <laughs> so we, we talked about ways to come alongside each other just this morning. We talked about the importance of that. We talked about how great a witness that is to the gospel, in effect. Why? Because mourners are comforted through other Christians and through other people. So two, how is a mourner comforted? Through God continuing to provide for them. Um, remember the things that Jesus did in his earthly ministry? The strange, miraculous, grandiose things? So for instance, in Mark chapter 5, you have three healings, but you have Jesus, you have Jesus healing a demoniac, you have Jesus raising Jairus's, uh, Jairus, by the way, was a ruler in the synagogue, uh, re- raising Jairus's daughter and a woman who had a blood discharge that could not be cured by any medical means. And then you have in John chapter 11, Jesus moved to compassion about his friend dying, right? So his family uh, comes to him and says, you know, Lazarus died. And Jesus is moved by their sorrow, not so much to raise Lazarus from the dead. He had already said, actually, earlier in John chapter 11 that he was going to do it. Uh, the, the apostles just didn't understand. But he was moved to weep. Their weeping moved him to weeping. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept which is the shortest English verse in the Bible, but not the shortest verse in the Bible. That uh, is reserved for Job, which is a single word. Um, So I can't remember. I I wish I could remember the verse. It's like when you have one of those books that's like stupid Bible facts. I'm sorry, Bible facts. Uh, (laughs) That was one of them that was in there. But, But those miraculous, incredible things that Jesus did were spurned by his compassion, that everything that Jesus did in his earthly ministry was an outpouring or a display of his incredible compassion. So even now, whatever pain, whatever trial, whatever struggle you, this, this church, this state, this country, this world is going through, Jesus is displaying in unimaginable amounts of compassion on. And just to boil that right back down, let me repeat that. Anything you're going through, Jesus is actually displaying incredible compassion on. Jesus did miracles in his earthly ministry to prove that he was who he is. So that now when we read the things that he did, we can look and say, yeah, Jesus, you are worthy and you are doing things I can't imagine. And you are doing incredible works, even in my life. God sustains every particle of oxygen with his word. So says the author of Hebrews in a paraphrased manner. Um, That means that every cell in your body is upholded by whatever God has declared. Can you fathom how intricate that is and how incredible that is? No. No, we can't. 
We can't. We, we cannot fathom it. But you, whatever you're mourning right now, you shall be comforted in the fact that God is still on his throne. He's still doing that. So as God continues to provide for somebody who's in mourning, they can rest in that. Now, just as a note, he may not raise your daughter from the dead. He might not heal your illness. He might not take away your, 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 your bleed, your cancer, your cold, your coronavirus. He might not take those things away. But you know what he does take away? The sin of this world. Jesus' compassion for us as his rebellious creatures moved him to take away the one thing we would never be able to take away. Medical advancements can take away cancer and what, what percentage? You know, what's the survival rate of cancer now versus like 50 years ago, right? It's significantly better through medical advances. We, we can remove certain injuries and illnesses, but there is no surgery, friends, that will ever remove sin. Jesus, God himself, had to die for that. So whatever you're mourning, take hope. Grab onto hope in God's mercy. And with that salvation, the last one, how can a mourner be comforted? Through God's carrying us into, into eternity. Uh, God's given us an incredible gift in salvation. It's so easy as Christians to just like, you know, take the stamp, saved on the front page of the book and just keep, you know, reading and ignore that stamp on the front page. We, 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 we forget the, the incredibleness of our salvation. The, the, the reality that God would save me, <laughs> if that, that should cause me every single day to praise him, and yet, honestly, I wake up grumpy, and, uh, and I go about my day, and I change dirty diapers, lots of dirty diapers, and I forget about the beauty and wonder of salvation pretty easily. Why? Because we're, we're fickle little creatures. And that's why we need to be reminded that, that a mourner should be comforted in eternity. Um, Isaiah 61. Again, you could turn there if you really wanted to, but I'm going to read verses 1 to 3. and I'm going to emphasize some things here. Just as me, a mourner, trying to bring comfort to you mourners. Because that's what we are. If we're Christians, we're mourners. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Isaiah writes, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. Ashes you wore, you wore ashes to show that you were mourning over something in, uh, in, in that particular era of Judaism. And actually some Orthodox now. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he may be glorified. I... Uh, I, I, I love thinking about all the different ways you could describe somebody who's in mourning, but nothing is going to top Isaiah 61.3, um, where, 
where uh, they're, they're given garments of praise instead of a faint spirit. Doesn't that really describe somebody who's in mourning? It's just a faint spirit. They just don't have the emotional, uh, 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 it's not really like a desire to do stuff, but they, just, they, they don't have the emotional economics to do anything. They don't, they don't have the savings account of emotion to be able to get up and do whatever they need to do. No, they're mourning. But God does all that so, that so that he may be glorified. Are you glorifying God in your mourning? I know I'm not. I know I'm not nearly enough as I, or as nearly as much as I should. But this beautiful salvation, Isaiah 61, 1 to 3, is testifying to the salvation that comes from the Lord. This beautiful salvation that we've received is greater than our trials. Um, and it shouldn't make us stoics. Really, honestly, Christians should be the most honest people in the world, but for whatever reason, we've been trained better by the Apostle Spock than the Apostle Paul. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Jesus disagrees. We shouldn't become Stoics. Why? Why shouldn't we become Stoics? Because we need to mourn. Notice the promise in Matthew 5, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The mourners are promised comfort, not the Stoics. The, the, nowhere does it say, blessed are the emotionless. Nowhere. Nowhere in Scripture are you going to find that. Instead, you're going to see people pouring out their hearts to the Lord in the Psalms, begging for repentance. You see, you see people coming up to Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's what you see. We, we should be those people. And honestly, this is, this is just a personal throw-in. You know what really bugs me is when I go up to somebody and say, hey, how are you? And they say, fine. Really fine? Really? You sure? Fine or good? What is good to find? Breathing? <laughs> because honestly, you know, how, how are you? Uh, seriously? My, my life right now is crazy. Uh, those of you who were in Sunday school got, got a snapshot of what I, what I explained was happening while, uh, while my wife was doing a worm dissection and I was having a meeting on the phone. Uh, well, not really a meeting, Carl. Uh, <laughs> but a meeting, meeting with another person, too. But... Um, but I, I mean, my, my life is nutty right now. Uh, I am like crazy all the time, chasing after my kids, trying, I, I wish I could walk around with like a rag of chloroform and just be like, yeah, you're getting out of hand. Smell that. Like, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but I, I hear that's illegal. So, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I... If somebody were to ask me, how am I, typically I'm going to smooth over the answer a little bit and say, you know, it's going, or how's it going? Oh, it's going. You know, I don't really want to be honest, but I should be honest. I should be honest with the fact that, that right now I'm mourning the craziness of life in, a, in, a, in an environment where I am stuck in a house with three crazy kids, nothing against my kids. I love my kids. I love them so much that I stay home with them and I'm not like locking them in a room and leaving. But, but uh, that doesn't sound like love, but it really is love. But I love them so much, but they're driving me bonk- bonkers. <laughs> 
the, the craziness of my life is something that I am mourning right now. But you know what I can take comfort in? I can take comfort in believers coming to me and loving me. I can take comfort in the, the fact that God is continuing to provide for me these moments with my kids that are just absolutely heart-wrenching. Like uh, yesterday, we were on a walk, and uh, this lady says hi to my kids, and one of my sons go, goes, goes uh, that daddy, I love my daddy. Now, no prompting. I promise I didn't brainwash him to say that. Um, but, but those moments are treasures in my heart. But I'm still mourning the craziness. But friends, whatever you're going through, God will one day clear all your troubles. Revelation 7, 17, for the lamb is in the midst of the throne, or for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's how God comforts the mourners. They shall be comforted. Friends, that's how God comforts you. One day, one day, when all your troubles are gone, your financial struggles, your chronic illnesses, your social anxieties, like me, uh, your, 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 your issues, your family problems, the drama, the political problems, God's going to wipe away every tear from your eye. Every one of them. So, what do we have to do? That's great that God does that. So what do we have to do? Um, again, somebody who's in mourning, just going back to, go, going back to the, 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 the place where I started, somebody who's in mourning cannot conceive of the concept of comfort. They might say they can. They might even, they might even tell you the things that you're going to tell them because they know them, right? They know them, they're in the back of their mind, but they can't really feel any of it. Somebody who's truly in mourning cannot conceive of comfort. So what do you have to do? When you know someone who's mourning, when you see somebody who's suffering, be quick to hear and slow to speak, James 1.19. I'm going to confess to you, like I said, I got open mouth insert foot-itis, right? I say I, I have a penchant for saying the, wrong, uh, the right thing, the wrong thing at the right time would probably be a better way of saying it because I think that's how I said it before. But it's the wrong thing at the wrong time, whatever you want to know, I, or whatever you, however you want to say it, I say it. I say the wrong thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy that goes up to somebody and says, uh, hey, how's, how's, uh, how's, how's your niece doing? right? Oh, she died. Oh, hey, sorry, I didn't hear. <laughs> um, this is awkward. Or, or, uh, or hey, how's, that, um, how, how's, how's your doctor's visits going? Oh, I just got diagnosed with terminal cancer. That's, that's just me. I say, I say the wrong thing. It's a wonderful gift. Uh, it it kind of cuts through some of the garbage with some of the conversations I've had where, you know, again, how are you doing? Fine. Um, it's not something I enjoy, though. I don't like doing it. It puts me in some weird places. But God has continuously sanctified me because of my stupid mouth um, to quiet my tongue to somebody who's mourning, to just not speak. 
Be quick to hear, slow to speak. I am by no means perfect in this. You can talk to anybody in my family and they will affirm the fact that I'm more quick to speak and slow to hear. But, but I've, I've found that, especially with somebody who's mourning, um, showing the spiritual fruit of shutting up is a very good thing to do. So that's what you need to do. If you're with somebody who's mourning, be quick to hear and slow to speak. We Christians honestly should be the most gentle and compassionate and loving people who have ever existed. We really should be. Jesus was gentle and compassionate beyond our wildest imaginings. We see that displayed in the scripture. So much so that he says, blessed, happy, by the way, that's kind of a paradox in this verse. Blessed means happy. It's the same word uh, in, in Greek. So blessed, happy are those who mourn for, they shall be comforted. That's how gentle and kind and compassionate Jesus is, that he comforts the mourners. So we should be the same way, shouldn't we? Are we? Are we? Am I? <laughs> no. <laughs> Not really. Uh, the Apostle John says, uh, says whoever, uh, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Mm. I should. You're right, John. May I repent. Or, going back to what I quoted before, Romans 12, 15 to 16, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Who are the lowly in this world but those who have been crushed low by the pains that they've suffered? Are they mourning? Of course they are. We should be associating with them. That's what we need to do. We need to come alongside them, be friends, be neighbors, weep with them, mourn with them, hurt with them, suffer with them. It's never comfortable for us who come alongside somebody who's in mourning. Sometimes you're just a Kleenex distributor. <laughs> sometimes sometimes you're, you're the person that starts weeping with them even though you don't want to, but that's actually your command. And this actually includes praying for the families of the 89,439 in our country who have had a potentially COVID-related death. Instead of just looking at that as a percentage of our nation, which is, oh, I figured it out earlier and I totally forgot it, but it's like 0.08 or 008% or something of the people in our nation. Instead of looking at it at that really small decimal percentage of people who may have died from this, or even in the entire world, which was 312,239 currently recorded worldwide COVID-related deaths. We should be compassionate and gentle toward that. We should be praying for them. If you know someone who's been affected by it, you should be reaching out to them. If you know someone who's dying of cancer, right, Dolores, like you mentioned, Reach out to them, mourn with them, weep with them. Throw balloons in their house, even though they hate it. Nobody likes balloons. Nobody likes cleaning up balloons. Um, except my kids. My kids like balloons. 
but, but mourn with them, weep with them, care for them, love them. That's our commandment as Christians. Otherwise, we can't fulfill that very first thing of, receive, of being the comfort that people need. That's what we need to do. Steer them towards God. Remind them gently of his continued providence for them and remind them of eternity. It seems so far off, but it will one day come. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, it's hard to think of somebody who's in mourning as happy. And yet that's what you've said. The reminder that, that there is the inevitable result of comfort in you, the the. The, the promise, the sure promise that our hearts need to grasp onto, that really good news in the midst of our darkest moments. Lord, please stir in us the, the ability to grab onto it for ourselves and for us to share that wonderful gospel light to those that are suffering right now. I, 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 know, I know my family is going through hard times. I know... Other families are going through hard times. Let us gather around one another and love each other well. As we gather as a church, help us to love each other well. Continue to show us in your word how you are so great, Jesus, to comfort us mourners. Be glorified. Be glorified in our love. It's in your name I pray. Amen. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to be affected by the things in this world. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to hurt for others. It really is, honestly. Let's continue praying that God would lift this pandemic. He would lift the political side of it, that he would lift the, the medical side of it, that he would lift every side of it. Let's, let's pray for that. But let's not forget to come alongside those who are aching. Go in peace, saints.